Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. You can't fake a great steak. You can enjoy a steakhouse experience a few nights a year or every night with your Auto Wild Grill. Sear in amazing flavor and moisture with 1,500 degrees of grilling perfection. A perfect steakhouse crust every time on your time. Bring your own steak and let Otto take care of the rest. Make your house the great steakhouse in your neighborhood for your family and friends. Dr. Stephen Hussey is a chiropractor and functional medicine practitioner. He attained both his doctorate of chiropractic and Master's in Human Nutrition and Functional Medicine from the University of Western States in Portland, Oregon. He is the author of two books on health, The Health Evolution, Why Understanding Evolution is the Key to Vibrant Health, and The Heart, Our Most Medically Misunderstood Organ. Dr. Hussey guides clients, or health participants, as he likes to call them, from around the world back to health by using the latest research and health-attaining strategies. In his downtime, he likes to be outdoors, playing sports, reading, writing, and spending time with his wife and their pets. Dr. Stephen Hussey, welcome back to the program, continuing our Heart Health Series. How are you doing today, sir? Pretty good. I'm excited to talk about our topic today. Yes, we're so excited that you're here. So we're looking at heart failure. What do you have for us today? Yeah, so um, I feel like that heart attacks and atherosclerosis, like they really dominate, you know, the talk of heart disease. But heart failure is also huge. Uh, it affects a lot of people, too. Um, and so I want to talk about a little about what it is. So heart failure, um, I guess if you looked it up on, on the internet and like in, in medicine, it was just basically they'd say that it's the inability or the decreased ability uh, of the heart to pump blood. And immediately, right off the bat, if you've listened to other episodes where I talked about the how the heart is not a pump, you know that I think that that statement is flawed because the heart's real job is not to pump the blood. So um, I would invite people to go back and listen to the episode or, or revisit my blog where I outline um, why the heart is not a pump um, and how it's not a pump. But we'll kind of talk about aspects of it here. So things we tend to see with heart failure, you know, this quote-unquote inability of the heart to pump the blood is that um, in heart failure patients, they um, uh, they tend to have fatigue, 
um, and they also tend to get swelling. Um, so if the if the blood is not being pumped throughout the body or not being, I'll say, moved because it's not really pumped, as we'll talk about, um, moved throughout the body like it's supposed to be, we can get pooling and edema and things like that. And so that's what um, we tend to see in these people. Um, but they also just, like I said, get really fatigued. They can't they can't tolerate exercise. Um, and there's reasons for this. So like I've talked about in other podcasts, the job of the heart is not really to pump the blood. The the, the blood, um, the heart does a little bit of pumping, um, but the job of the heart is to vortex the blood or spin the blood. Um, and the reason for it doing that is to energize the water in the blood because if the water in the blood is energized enough, it actually creates its own uh, blood flow. And it's the driving force of that creates um, um, the blood flow. And I've actually... Uh, you know, emailed Dr. Pollock, who's, you know, done a, a lot of the work on the fourth phase water. And he actually said that he has a, he's had a graduate student that has proved that fourth phase water forms in the arteries of mammals and that it is a driving force in the uh, flow of blood, uh, so which is really, really fascinating. And he said that there's a, they're preparing a manuscript. So I'm anxiously awaiting that. Um, but anyways, if you look at the heart, like a normal heart, it's shaped like at least the the one side of it is shaped kind of like a football, right? It's got that um, kind of kind of got that point to it. And so there's a really interesting video that I posted some segments of on my Instagram, but you can look it up on YouTube. It's called the Helical Heart, um, and it it talks about the research of this guy in Spain named Francisco Torrent Quasp, um, and how he discovered that the orientation of the heart is kind of like it's it's um it's it's spiral in nature like the the muscles of the heart that kind of form the spiral and when you dissect it in a certain way you can see that it just kind of um you can un unroll it and you can roll it back up into its formation so when it contracts it spirals and so another thing that we see in people with heart failure is that the heart expands and it no longer has that orientation of a football it looks more like a basketball. And so you can think about it like when you throw a football, you know, when Tom Brady throws a football, it goes really far because it has this tight spiral and it's, you know, spinning through the air that way. But if you gave Tom Brady a, um, a basketball or even a, a ball that was a sphere that was smaller that he could grip in his hand and throw, he couldn't throw it as far, right? Because it's lost its effectiveness. It doesn't spiral very well. And so if the heart, um, like in heart failure, starts to swell up and look more like a basketball, um, it's not going to be very effective at vortexing the blood uh, and doing its job. And I think the reason that that happens is because for whatever reason, um, the, the blood is not energized enough. And so it's not producing its own blood flow. And so the heart is actually forced to do more pumping than it's designed to do. And when that happens, um, we start to get this expansion of, of the heart because it's not just vortexing. Now it's actually having to create force and pump blood. And it's not meant to do that. It can't really do that. So then we get pooling of blood because it's not really effective at doing that. Um, and so all that may sound crazy to people, and I realize that. But the things that confirm it are the things that we see are most effective at, for treating heart failure. 
And so the number one thing that's that's most effective for treating heart failure, um, I think, and what I've seen is sauna, infrared sauna. And there is so much research. Like if you go to um, like pretty much any of the the sauna websites, people who sell saunas, whether it's Clearlight or Sunlighten or whoever it is, they'll have all the research on there. And there's so much about heart failure and how infrared sauna use increases um, uh, blood flow how it improves outcomes in heart failure patients, how it, it actually decreases the size of the heart uh, back to more normal. And that's because infrared light is one thing that energizes blood, the water in the blood. And when you energize the water in the blood, it can form fourth phase water. It can drive the blood flow. It takes the pressure off the heart. Now the heart can do its job again, which is just the vortex of blood to spin the blood. And so um, we get now... Now we get movement of fluid in the body where it needs to go or where it's supposed to go. So we get decrease in swelling and edema. Um, all this is because infrared light, Dr. Pollock in his lab found that infrared light at the 3000 nanometer wavelength was the most effective at uh, building fourth phase water in the body. And so that's why sauna is so um, effective at or for heart failure patient. I think every heart failure rehab clinic in the world should have an infrared sauna. Um, and so it also goes goes to or shows that we're supposed to be outside because we're supposed to be in the sunlight where we get natural infrared light. We're supposed to be in contact with the earth, which also energizes the um, the water in our bodies. And so it just goes to show we've been removed from that. Um, and then the other thing that that heart failure patients are told um, is to reduce their salt intake or to eliminate it altogether. And that's because they have this this swelling, and it's thought that. Um, that having too much uh, salt in your body is going to um, cause fluid retention, right? And that's just simply not the case. When we look at the research, there's just nothing that there's there's nothing that backs that up. Um, I found this study where they looked at all the literature um, for you know decreased salt in um, in heart failure patients and showed that it had no benefit, and that sometimes it made it worse. And then I found this study that I posted actually today. Um, and it may not be the same day that this podcast comes out, but today I posted this study that showed that um, compared to administering a diuretic by itself, administering a diuretic with a saline solution actually um, uh, resulted in more um, uh, reduction in edema, uh, better outcomes for um, heart failure patients as far as resolution of their heart failure. Um, it, it protected the kidneys and leaded to increased kidney function, and it um, led to decreased rehospitalizations of these heart failure patients, which is a thing with heart failure patients. They, they have these scares, and they end up having to go back to the hospital a lot. So all these things, positive outcomes with saline solution, with salt being administered, way better than just a diuretic alone. Um, and so um, that just goes, and, and it makes sense too, because... You know, if your body has not enough minerals, minerals have to be dissolved in fluid, in water. Um, and if you don't have enough minerals, your body's going to hold on to all the minerals it has, which means it's going to hold on to fluid. It can't lose any fluid because it has to have those minerals dissolved in the fluid. If you give your body a bunch of minerals, it's like, oh, now we can lose some of this fluid because we have enough minerals. So it makes sense that if you provide the body with salt, it's going to be able to get rid of the excess fluid. Um, and so to me, some of the best things for heart failure are 
sauna therapy and then and then actually increasing your you know your sea salt or your himalayan salt or uh, redmond salt intake um, because those things are going to help and then the last thing is again uh, we have to rebalance our autonomic nervous system because people with heart failure have an impaired signal of of um, they have more sympathetic activity to the heart so we have to rebalance that as well so that's the approach to heart failure and i hope that people kind of understand that a bit better now at what's causing heart failure and and how best to approach it yeah i love that and i've i've shared before but i i really do suspect that i was in the early stages of heart failure at one point in my life when i was up over 500 pounds i had uh you know, significant edema. I had cough. My lungs were not clear. I had the fatigue, just so many, so many symptoms. I was supposed to go for advanced testing. I did not because I was too scared to go, but, uh, but my doctor suspected it. And one of the things that I, I know was absolutely instrumental in, in, in my recovery is a ketogenic diet, uh, you know, in my case, a carnivore diet. And obviously we know that uh, ketones are a preferred fuel for the heart, uh, 37% more effective, uh, effectively used by the heart. So I wondered if you can talk to the role of, of ketones and a ketogenic diet. Yeah, so uh, definitely there's, there's plenty of evidence that shows that, um, you know, even in the presence of glucose, the heart prefers to burn ketones. Uh, for fuel and surprisingly well not surprisingly to me but maybe surprising to a lot of people there's actually like when i was researching you know the preferred fuel source of the heart way more studies came up um studying heart failure and that ketones were definitely the preferred fuel source for people in heart failure Absolutely. and to me that's because um i i think that heart failure like i said is is mainly being driven by the fact that the heart is being forced to pump um, be a pump more than it's supposed to be. But also I think that it's, it's, a, um, the heart being forced to burn more glucose than it wants to. Um, and so when people get into heart failure, the, you know, studying, studying the, the myocardial tissue of people in heart failure, those heart, th that tissue just wants ketones even more because it's just starving for them at that point, you know, cause it, it cause it's been deprived of them. So it's just really interesting to see that, you know, almost every study, actually every study that I did come across showed that it, the titles of them were just the, the, the um, myocardium of a failing heart prefers ketones over everything else, you know, just like, or prefers fatty acids or whatever. Um, just overwhelming amount of research showing that, which I think should be, um, uh, should be very telling uh, for what's going on in this condition. So in your opinion, would you say a ketogenic diet combination of salt and infrared sauna are strategies that patients can take to potentially reverse heart failure? Yes. And I've actually, you know, seen very good results in, in coaching people to do those type, do those things, um, people with heart failure. Um, and so I, I tend to get more people who are, are more concerned about their, their atherosclerosis and, and, and saturated fat and, and, and on going on a carnivore diet and that. But I, I have had some clients with, um, with heart failure, and you know, it's 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 tricky to work with with them and their doctors to do that sort of thing. Um, but all the all the results I've had have been positive uh, with that approach. Um, so as long as we you know we get their doctor on board, um, and and I can coach them through those things, it's it's a very positive outcome. 
Yeah, you know, ketogenic diet, in my opinion, should be a standard of care. And for a heart that's not functioning properly, uh, what what are your thoughts on exogenous ketones to help to provide, at least until we can get, get them healed and get them to where they're making their own endogenous ketones and utilizing it uh, properly? But what do you think about exogenous ketones? Um, I think that they're a useful tool. Um, I, especially for someone who is, they say like in, you know, in heart failure or is, you know, just, you know, really needing to get into ketosis fast, that could be a tool we can use to get them into ketosis uh, quicker that and fasting. Um, but I, I worry about the use of them long-term, um, because I, um, I've seen some things that shows that exogenous ketones long-term can deplete certain Krebs cycle intermediates, which could imbalance our production of ATP a little bit. Um, and I also just worry about, um, process, I mean, just processed food. And so if you think about what exogenous ketones are, it's just a very processed food. Um, I mean, when you, uh, the biggest problems with, I mean, there's lots of problems with grains, but they become even a bigger problem when they become very processed um, grains, like white flour compared to, you know, whole wheat flour or whatever. It's even more problematic. Um, or, um, you know, very white sugar compared to eating, you know, a, a sugar and then a whole food form um, or a very sweet food in a whole food form. Like it's just more problematic, the more processed and um, I guess isolated that nutrient of a ketone is. Um, and so, yes, they're definitely useful tools. But like you said, once someone can get themselves dietarily into ketosis and making their own ketones, I'd much rather them do that. Um, but I've actually used some, you know, exogenous ketones with clients before, and it does help them um, get into ketosis quicker than they would, um, and and help them, you know, maybe get through that kind of keto adaptation phase. Um, while their body's learning to make its own ketones, we can provide it with some, so we get, you know, that keto flu, so to speak, can be lessened a little bit. So that's kind of my take on exogenous ketones. Yes, and that's very interesting. And any other final thoughts on heart failure for us? Um, I think that, and this is just something that I've seen working with clients, is that, is that because, you know, a heart attack is something that you can be worried about, um, but you don't really, you don't really have it. You know, it doesn't really happen. Um, and then you, it's something that you have, it's something you fear that could happen. But with heart failure, it's like, once you're told you have heart failure, it kind of, you know, it's kind of this thing that sticks with you. And that's why heart failure patients tend to get rehospitalized a lot because you kind of have this thing and it can have flare-ups or whatever and you end up back in the hospital. And I feel that people with heart failure almost identify with that. Um, and I, I would strongly urge them to realize that they are more than just heart failure, you know? And I think that they are, they are, there are many aspects to them and their life and who they are as a person that, Yes, you may have heart failure, but you can improve that condition. And, you know, I would argue that you could maybe even reverse it and, and make it go away to where you don't have that anymore. And and I think that, you know, focusing on that and identifying with this thing called heart failure and who you are, maybe not the best approach to your disease. And I would focus on, you know, I would I would encourage them to focus on who they are as a person, what makes them who they are, and just realize that that heart failure is just this this one part of them that 
um, that doesn't define them. Um, and that's what I would tell people who are struggling with heart failure. Awesome. Well, Doc, as, as always, sage advice. That's why you are America's heart coach. We're so excited and grateful to have you here. So for those listeners that maybe they have heart failure or they're concerned about other aspects of their heart, how can they, how can they find you and reach out to you? Yeah, all my, all my coaching is done through my website, which is resourceyourhealth.com. Um, and also, I, I post a lot of information, uh, try and get it out there on, on social media. And I write about things on my blog. So um, my blog is at resourceyourhealth.com and my social media is um, Dr. Stephen Hussey, Dr. Stephen Hussey. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Doc. We look forward to talking to you here real soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.